I like being lonely. I'm a boss. Tell them not today. Swerving on these chickens, cluck out my lane. I'm a boss. All right. So I know you as no idea daddy blog, but I'm assuming that that was not your God-given name. Um, do you want to tell us your God-given name or do you just go by like daddy or no idea or like, how does that work? Oh man. <clears throat> well, when you said, do you go by daddy? That sounds incredibly, sounds- a little scandal there. <laughs> uh, no, my, the name I was blessed with is Clint Edwards and I, on Instagram, which is new to me relatively, although I have been able to kind of build an audience there, but, um, I started, I'm primarily, I guess, a daddy blogger, but I have a number of books out and um, I have a lot of people on Facebook that follow me, like 300 something thousand. And that's cool. But Facebook kind of is difficult. They don't like to work with people the way they used to. Um, So I moved over to Instagram and now I just feel like I'm finally in with the millennials. You know, and that's yeah. a good feeling. That's yeah, uh, you're cool now. You've made it. <laughs> yeah, I think the term is Gucci. Uh, Gucci is is the term. Maybe I don't even know. That's probably dead you could now. have. You could have. I don't even know. I don't know if, what the term is because I am also not a millennial. Um, I wish I was a millennial sometimes, but I'm not. But so you've made it. You've made it in with the in crowd. So Instagram and the millennials is kind of where it's at. Um, I hear also. Uh, so you got into writing books how can you kind of explain a little bit about that yeah i can but it's kind of boring um yeah. i mean it should be more exciting than it is i uh i studied english as a college and i have a masters in it uh, which my parents well my my dad didn't care he was in jail but my mom was kind of like what are you going to do with that and i just told her homeless because uh, yeah. it was easier <laughs> you know and that's what you wanted to hear uh and so i guess the goal was always to write and um, I got done with grad school and, and I published in all these literary journals that nobody read. And, and I tried to get a book published and I couldn't. It was really frustrating. And, uh, and I got rejected. I have a whole spreadsheet of shame. There's like literally hundreds of agents and, and publishers in there that rejected me after grad school with this kind of like literary memoir project. So I was like, man, this sucks. And I was a stay-at-home dad at the time. For It was like a summer because I was working at a university. I had a nine-month contract. My wife was finishing school, and I just needed to do something else. So I put the dust off this old blog that I created as like a college project my first year of grad school, and uh, I wrote this long kind of ranty essay about being a stay-at-home dad. I want to say it was read by like a thousand people and my head just exploded. I was like a thousand people read that. I mean, the circulation of the last journal I was in was called the North Dakota quarterly, which I'm confident you subscribe to. Um, And uh, I think the circulation was (laughs) 200, you know, and I was like, what? And so I just said, I'm going to write every day uh, on this thing. Well, five days a week for a year and let's just see what happens. And, you know, I created a Facebook page around it and a Twitter page. I still don't understand Twitter either, but somehow I have people there too. But, you know, by the end of that year, I'd written for the New York times and I'd written for the Washington post. And like, I had this post go viral and I ended up with good morning America at my house, which was like so awkward. Like if good morning America comes over to your house, you just don't, because it's really weird. They just kind of follow you around. They were at my house for like eight hours. Oh, wow. (laughs) Maybe three or three to five minutes. I was actually on the show. 
yeah. and people still talk about it, but it's really weird. It, I don't think it's as bad as if Netflix approaches you f- to like do a documentary about your life, but uh, it uh, it is it's awkward. But anyways, I decided to uh, tr- I was tried to publish a collection of humorous essays, and agents were still rejecting me, so I self published my first book uh, with like a kickstart. And that worked. And then I was done with traditional publishing for a year or two. And then I finally got connected with Page Street and they're distributed by Macmillan. And they apparently saw something in me. They've been publishing my books ever since. So I'm, I just finished up another manuscript with them. That's a book of all of my fatherly fails and it will be coming out in October. So what's the title of that? It's going to be called Fatherish. Fatherish, I like it. Fatherish, yeah. Fatherish. So, if I was to write my motherly fails, I don't think I could fit that in just a book. It would be like one of those like ridiculously large manuscripts that nobody can even lift up. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, me. I had to be selective. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, sections were cut, and yeah. uh, but I names mean, were changed to protect identities. Names were definitely <laughs> changed. Uh, descriptions were changed. Yeah. You know, it's like suddenly, oh yeah, he was missing an eye. You know, just so people don't know that was my next door neighbor. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. So that's funny. So, how many kids do you have? I have three children. Okay, and they their ages are. So I have a 13-year-old son who will shortly be, you will hear him wandering. Because yeah. I'm, I'm current. So we're under the COVID-19 stay-at-home singer, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And I am in a closet right now. Uh, that's yeah. where I work now. It's a, I mean, it's a large closet. And I've told people it's a home office, but it's a closet. There you go. And it's my yeah. son's closet. And uh, so he will be coming in here shortly to do homework because he's being a butthole about doing his homework. And that, been, As they all are right now. Oh my gosh. We should change it to yell school instead of homeschool. It's It's bad. I, I like I know lots of people that homeschool and I tried it. I was telling somebody this the other day. I tried to homeschool. My ten year old is autistic, so whenever he started school, you know, kindergarten wasn't too bad because I mean, you know, it's very basic what they had to do. By the time he started getting in the first grade, I was kinda getting nervous because I'm like, Okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a teacher by any stretch of the imagination. So by second grade, I'm like, Okay, this is not gonna work for me. But I tried the whole homeschooling thing with him and then I got the bright idea because I got on Pinterest and thought it would seem like an amazing idea to go ahead and just homeschool all the kids because, you know, it was going so well with only the one that I thought I'd make it so much better by bringing them all home because we could do it together because Pinterest convinced me that that would be a great idea. Um, it was not a great idea. It was terrible. And um, so I, ha- I still have like PTSD from trying to homeschool. So when I found out that this was going to be a thing, I was like, oh my God, I can't do this again. So I'm pretty much the one going, I don't want to do this. And even more than my kids. I've actually talked to a couple of the principals and like, I'm like, how much do they actually have to do with this? I mean, like what's the requirements <laughs> here to pass? Cause that's my, that's my goal at this point. I can't do it. I'm just, Oh, it's bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a rough transition. Uh, but I will admit he's getting a lot more done with me micromanaging him, but you know, I've got to do my job uh, yep. outside. I mean, writing is not like my, I, I mean, it's like decent part-time income. I, I do yeah. work at a university normally. Um, Anyways, but yeah, back to your earlier question about how many kids I have. So I've got my son. He's the oldest. He's 13. And then I have Nora, who's 10. Uh, and she's a nice kid, smiles a lot. Uh, she's very uh, casual with her personal hygiene, though. So we're working that one out. 
And then I have Aspen, who is five, and she is like raising a wild honey badger. Uh, she's just, uh, if she were the first, she'd have been her last. That's the joke uh, yeah. that we say when she's not around. Um, wow. I, I say that stuff to my kids' faces. I feel like it builds character. So I think that, I think that, you know, if you well, they're gonna, you know, if, some, <laughs> if someday they actually are interested in anything I've ever done, they will read it in my book. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, but that's a long shot that they would yeah. actually be interested in something I did. No, my, my kids think I'm like the dumbest person on the planet. It's funny because I'll tell them to do something. And I, I, I've had like, um, I always tell people that I, that I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I tried lots of things. So my, my resume looks completely bipolar. And so I have, you know, different various education backgrounds and random certifications and stuff. And one of those is, um, as a personal trainer, I've worked as a personal trainer for years and years and years. Well, my uh, daughter was wanting to, you know, reach some type of fitness goal. So I'm like, okay, totally. I got this. I can do this. I like write this stuff up. She's like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, listen, I've done this for 20 years. <laughs> so she, so instead she's, she's getting on, you know, Instagram and following these Instagram people. And I'm sitting there, you know, with my qualifications going, just love me. I can do this. I got this, but she thinks I'm dumb. So instead she's following somebody that I don't even know who's telling her what to do, which is kind of actually the opposite of what I would tell her to do. So it's probably why she loves it. But Okay, so you've got your honey badger. Um, I've got, I feel like I've got the raw end of the deal on that one because if I feel like if I had to like list my kids and I love them and they're great in their own little ways, but there's only like one of them that I would say is super good. They're out of seven and that those odds are not really good in my favor. Well, you've got to understand like with each kid you have, your chances of having a dud goes up. You know, I like know. I guarantee one of the three here, I, my chance of getting all three of these kids out and then, you know, going to college and getting married and staying in successful marriage and, and being, you know, not failing the launch yep. is unlikely. And, and I do look across my kids and think to myself, I wonder which one's going to be the dud, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. And I don't, it's hard to make that prediction because they change regularly. And I'm confident that my parents thought I was a dud. I have no doubt in my mind that they thought that I was destined for prison. So I'm glad that I was able to buck that, that prediction for that. That's awesome. So do you have siblings? Oh, that's a complicated question, Maria. Uh, yeah. Not, well, a, not I, a road we want to go down. <laughs> well, no, it's not that. It's just like people ask that question. I don't know. So my dad, he died. Uh, he was, he died from drug addiction. Uh, and he, he died divorcing his fourth marriage wife there. He's on his oh, fourth wow. marriage. And, uh, and my mom is on her third marriage, which she gets really mad when I mention that in like the New York times. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like you know, shaped who I am and my understanding of marriage. It's like, well, did you have to tell everybody I was on my third marriage? I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, sold. I did. It's sold. It's sold. You know, yes. it sells. and it does. So, Everything shapes who you are. Oh I, yeah, I mean, and that's you know. Anyway, so I I have uh, I have one full blood brother, and I have I have a half sister and a half brother that I talk to relatively regularly. My half sister, I'm pretty close with but then i just have this litany of step siblings that i don't even know what to call uh, them anymore and and it goes on into the eternities that's that's a lot i i have um my parents actually are still together now the jury is out on whether that actually should be the case but we won't even go there but um i have i'm the oldest of four and i definitely like i know 
you can sit like psychologically look at like birth order and stuff. And I definitely fall into that firstborn birth order kind of psychological view that I was the overachiever. And, um, but it's funny because it was like random over achieving because I was also very ADHD, still am. Um, I never was diagnosed. My brother is two years younger than me and he was diagnosed. That's the big family joke is he was diagnosed um, as a teenager because he was literally flunking all of his classes. And um, they ended up, they thought he had a learning disability and they tested him and his IQ was just through the charts. It was above genius level. So he likes to throw it in my face that he's a genius. And I like to throw it in his face that nobody ever thought I was stupid enough to check mine. So that's kind of our little family joke. But yeah, I, I just kind of like hopped the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing, you know, forever. Actually, I just feel like I'm just now done hopping and I'm, I'm old now. So I'm just too tired to jump anymore. But I, for the longest time, I was definitely a jumper. So the idea that, that you've got a master's degree in just one thing, that's, that's pretty awesome because I... Uh- Oh, added up all my shit together. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, it does sound nice when you say I have a master's degree and you put it all in, in a package, yeah. you know, but it was a meandering. So my bachelor's is a bachelor of science in English with a emphasis in creative writing and a minor in power line technology. I, I wanted to be a power lineman because when I started college, I didn't know how to type and I'd never read a novel or anything. So it was kind of weird that I ended up writing and going into books in fact my wife taught me how to type uh when we were dating uh which is beautiful of her and it sounds really sweet when you say it that way but i i'm sure there's some way that i that it you know it's taken the wrong way it just looks like a manipulation but um (laughs) she you know when we first started dating i would handwrite my papers because i couldn't type and then she couldn't read them because my handwriting my spelling was so bad and so she started typing them and i would read them and those were some of our first dates uh, which is hot, you know, when you think about it, that was, just, yeah, that could be like, that could be like, uh, another, like the notebook or, um, you know, like, like ghosts, like where they're making a the little sculpture, it, but it could be with a, with a typewriter. Yeah, but, sure. But we're writing sociology papers. That's hot. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's all on how the writer script it, you yeah, know, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta use your imagination. I could see that being very romantic and romanticized. Yeah. It's funny. You said power lineman. My dad actually is a power lineman and so is my husband. So oh, interesting. I'm very well still alive. in that world. Yeah, they're still alive. Um, That's very good. Yeah, and actually my husband just got back yesterday. He was out of town in West Virginia because they had some power outages, you know, in West Virginia. So, yes, I'm very well versed in that world. As a daughter of a, of a power lineman, you can't drive down any road without knowing way too much about every line and every transformer yeah. and everything. It was terrible. And then my husband got into the same profession. And um, I get to I get to do it all over again, like for the rest of my life until I die. So that's where we're at. Well, I know you know having I got my associate's degree and my stepdad was a power lineman, and I did work for the power company long enough to realize I didn't want to die. Uh, yeah. And I realized that it's like this fine line of people that do it. They have to be smart enough not to get killed, but still stupid enough to do it because it is incredibly yeah. dangerous. I want to say I worked for a power company six months as a, like an apprentice groundsman sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That was enough. I almost got killed a dozen times. And, oh yeah. And I'm, and part of that is uh, I was not smart enough to not get killed. Obviously <laughs> there were so many times I can remember times of them just Clint, you almost killed yourself just then. I was like, I did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous profession, a very masculine profession. It's very dangerous. Now, my husband loves it. He was, he was in the Navy, and he did, like, special ops. And um, so I think he's an adrenaline junkie anyway. And my, my dad, he got, his dad was one also. So it, it was just kind of one of those things with my dad. He got into it because his dad was doing it. And then my husband got into it because he's seen it as an extension of still being able to do something that was kind of an adrenaline rush. So that's kind of where that goes. And he loves it. You know, it's, it's definitely um, a different kind of lifestyle. I've told people, like, I've got some girlfriends that their husbands, like, they're younger than me and their husbands are just getting into it. And, you know, they've asked me questions. I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it's definitely different. Be prepared to feel like a single parent pretty much a lot because, you know, I can't tell you the amount of times where he will be in the middle of dinner and he just gets a call. He's gone. Don't know if it's yeah. going to be for a day. Don't know if it's going to be for six weeks. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. just how it goes. And that's the lifestyle. And you've got to be okay with that. And the marriages fail a lot in, you know, with people in this profession. And that's why, you know, that's, it's hard to maintain. What does your wife do? My wife, uh, my, her name is Mel. Uh, she's yeah. super cool. Charming, sweet, a patient, willing to teach a man how to type. She works at our children's charter school, so she runs their gardening program. So oh, she, that's awesome. Uh, helps teach gardening, and then it's kind of like this co thing where she does teaching part of the time. The other time, she works just in different classrooms helping students. So, so that's um, my passion. Teaching. No, not my passion. Definitely not my no, passion. No, JK. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Gardening. No, my passion. Yeah, I, we have uh, we have an organic farm, and I love herbs, bees, butterflies, vegetable gardens. Yeah. Um, I actually posted on my personal Facebook page today that we're building out a bigger compost bed, and I just got two thousand more compost worms in today. I was pretty excited about it. Like most people were like, Hey, the worms. And I was like, yay, my worms came. You know, I was like, hey, look how cute they are. And you know, like, I, so listen, I love my <laughs> wife. I really love her. And she really loves to garden. And I don't, I don't, yeah. I am not interested in it whatsoever. In fact, last weekend, uh, we rented this 700 pound tiller. So I could dig up half the backyard so she could have more flower beds. And it felt like I had been riding a wild animal all weekend <laughs> trying to get this thing done. And my whole body hurt. Um, I build garden beds for her and I pull weeds and, and I hate every moment of it. But I love though. That can I go in your do, movie. I really love her to the point that I will do this for her and no one else. And my son, you know, my son doesn't like it either. And I drag him out there all the time. In fact, you know, I had a post go viral a while ago where, you know, he can understand why I was dragging him out there to help fill garden beds. And he's like, I don't like vegetables, you know, like, why yeah. would I care about any of this? <laughs> yeah. And I just told him, I was like, dude, this is, uh, this is what love looks like. Love is service, man. Love is a verb. And if you love someone, you got to serve them. And that's what it looks like. And he ended up the next day. I got a picture from my wife of him working in the yard, un- unprompted, and for you know, like a preteen, that's huge. That and, is uh, majorly when huge. When she asked him, you know, what were you doing about this? He was like, oh, I just love you. Aww. And uh, I was like, that's my boy. It was one of those moments where I thought, you know, maybe, maybe that, I'm doing it right. And that that one's that one's not the dud. So you can cross that one off the list. Today. <laughs> Seems like, yeah. Today, not the dud. Tomorrow? Not the dud, yeah. I don't know. I no. don't know. That's how mine are. It's just, yeah. It's funny because I always joke around saying that, 
you know, out of seven kids that the odds are I'm going to majorly screw at least one of them up. And I've got two that's the top pick at this moment that I'm not really even sure where to go. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, and they also absolutely hate anything to do with like the farm or anything to do with gardening or anything to do with anything that I think is a great idea. And I have to hear the same thing. Why are we doing this? What's that point in this? And I think that's part of growing up though. I think if you think back, um, unless you were a good child, I wasn't completely the best child. Anything my parents liked, I completely hated just because they liked it. You know, I think it says that like normal rebellion. Well, so that's the hard part about like raising kids right now. Like, I mean, oh, yes. where else am I going to teach them how to work? You know, I don't have like when I was a kid, you know, I live, we, we were next to my grandfather's bee farm. And so they would send yeah. me out to work in the bee farm and I hated it, but I did learn a lot about work and, and poop and that sort of stuff. And, uh, and that was good for me in hindsight, every moment uh-huh. of it, I hated it. So like r- right now I, I teach my, like to teach my son how to do work. Like I, I make him mow the lawn. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, we live in the suburbs. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's rural Oregon, but we're still in a suburb here. And we got this little patch of grass and I make him cut it. And he's terrible at it. I hope he never becomes a barber because it's going to be terrible for whoever sits in his barber chair. But uh, he is, uh, you know, it's all, I mean, it's all I got. I got to teach him how to do work somehow. Well, and I agree. And I, I think people are starting to kind of circle back to a lot of those kind of back to your roots type of things, especially right now. I've had a lot of phone calls this week on um, just that very thing about people reaching out to me because they know that I, you know, farm and it's not something that I do to make, you know, to monetize majorly. I barely break even at the end of the year. I do it because I love it. And people have reached out to me asking, so how do you can? So with these herbs that you have, you know, how would I grow them? What would I do with them? So, you know, a lot of these people didn't care at all about anything, you know, to do with that. But all of a sudden, with everything that's kind of going on in the world, people are starting to think, well, maybe I need to learn how to do some of these things. And that's what I've always told my kids. And I told them the the same thing that I grew up. I learned a lot of stuff from my grandma and my grandpa. I thought it was stupid. You know, I was like, I don't want to do this. What do I want to do this for? I don't care about this. And, but I'm glad I know it now. And that's what I tell my kids. I'm like, that's fine. When you leave here, you may never ever do this ever again. And that's fine. You don't have to, but if you ever need to, you'll know how to. And that's kind of my mantra with them on teaching them to do everything, you know, whether it's the farm stuff or even like dishes or laundry or whatever, fine. You know, you want to hire somebody to do everything for you. Whenever you move out, you can do that. But while you're here, you're going to at least know how. And there's a lot of people that are kind of going back to that, that same mentality of, you know, how do I can my food? How do I grow my food? I may not end up needing to, but it would be great to know how to, if I have to. (laughs) Well, I know if, you know, my wife were to leave me or, you know, heaven for a fan die, uh, and I was left in a situation where I had to grow my own food, I would be right behind her. Um, I (laughs) would not, I would not be eating, I, you know, I mean, unless there's a taco tree or something I can grow, (laughs) it's not going to be pretty. I wish there was a taco tree. That'd be amazing. I love tacos. I keep joking with my kids. I don't know if your kids during this, this quarantine, I I don't know what happened. I, I strongly suspect that my kids school like gave them tapeworms or something before they came home to be quarantined because that is all they've done from the time they wake up until the time they go to bed is eat. And I know they do not eat 30 meals a day at school. So I'm not sure how they were able to sustain themselves all day until they got home because it's not happening here. And I, I told my son the other day, he's just turned 18, April 1st. So He's sadly one of the seniors that are not getting to graduate, but I was like, 
you're going to be the first one to go. If this like actually goes like full blown, like apocalypse, I was like, you're a goner. I was like, cause you can't even make it an hour. (laughs) You're done for, you know, if we're like surviving on, you know, like berries and like whatever he's done for. Well, we thought about putting like a lock on the pantry and the fridge and then just leaving the kids some vegetables and fruit out, you know, as snacks. But the, (laughs) the possibility of cannibalism was really just too high. I, uh, I didn't want the kids to just, go full hawk and eat the dog or each other. So yeah, it's been bad. And it's not like I'm any better either. They're really, they, they should adjust the BMI by the time we get out of this. Oh, that would be a, yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, there's nothing better to do. And one of the things that a lot of people do when they're stuck at home is you just cook, you know, you cook and you try this recipe or that recipe. And then of course you got to try it. You got to eat it. So you got your taco tree. I don't, I mean, no, I, I'm living on Captain Crunch right now. <laughs> Captain Crunch is nasty. No. So what's your favorite series? You like Captain Crunch? That's your favorite? I am a uh, technically, I guess I'm a vegetarian, right? I don't, I don't, I eat very minimal meat. Uh, my wife's the same way, but I guess really what I am is a carbitarian because I'm not eating a lot of vegetables. And yeah, because Captain either. Crunch isn't vegetarian. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it. when well, I think it's vegetarian. Got in it, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a. Yeah, it's got berry shaped items. <laughs> so I eat, I do eat a, an incredible amount of breakfast cereal, and yeah, and there's so many options and. And the consistency is just beautiful. And I regret nothing. I absolutely regret nothing. I'm incredibly regular because of all the fiber. And spray on vitamins. You get your spray on vitamins. vitamins. So many (laughs) vitamins. I'm pretty sure I'm immune to COVID because of all the vitamins. Captain Crunch. You know, that's that's good marketing. I mean, you might want to contact, you know, the Captain Crunch cereal company and just say, you know, I have not caught COVID. I believe that your cereal is the reason why. You know, I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, I'm it's, gonna, a good, it's a good I'm idea. Add that to the schedule. Good <laughs> <laughs> idea. At this point, you have how many books out other than the one that's going to come out? You said in October. Well, yeah, I have. I have the self-published book, uh, which is okay. I don't recommend. What's a lot it of called? Buy it. It's called "This Is Why We Can Have Nice Things." Um, yeah, which that it's, is, it's, I have not read that, but that's I say that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people do. And then I have uh, another book is called "I'm Sorry, Love Your Husband." Yeah. And that uh, is a book of apologies to my wife, and which I would like to think most people should be able to relate to that. And then I have the book that came out last October, was it November, something like that? And that's Silence is a Scary Sound, and that's just the realities of living with a toddler. That's all toddler talk. And that, that I think, is very, very funny. That's just a very relatable, funny book. And then I have another one coming out in October that's fatherish, and that's a collection of my fatherly fails. The silence is scary. Sounds the one that I've I've seen um, the book cover of, and I've actually got it on my list. I need to go buy it uh, because I would say a lot of it is very relatable. I'm in a couple of you know these like parenting groups like on Facebook, and I'll tell you what, some of those people are the most judgmental people. I posted sure. something one day because my daughter just turned three in um, December. She had got into you know Sharpie like. I, I feel like all kids have at one point or another, but like most people were like, yeah, that's a funny, uh, my kids have done that too. And some people are like, how was she able to do that? What was you doing? Was you not watching her? And I'm like, you freaking kidding me? I'm like, she done this in like three minutes. I'm like, you're telling me that you're hawkeyeing your child for every second of the day. It's just funny how parents tend to like attack each other sometimes on stuff. No, and- it's not sometimes it's, it's, it's bad. 
I mean, it, women have it way worse than oh, I do. Uh, it's bad. I know anytime I have something go viral, I just have to kind of buckle down. You know, when I had this, the post that ended up having Good Morning America come to my house, it was about how uh, I used to blame my wife for our messy house. And we had a long conversation. This was early in our marriage. And she basically, right after I had kids, she basically said, you know, I could, you know, focus on making sure our house is perfect or I could focus on helping our kids development. And I'd rather focus on this time with the kids. And, and it started, I started to realize that we had a messy house, but we had these incredibly wonderful, well-developed kids and, and what mm-hmm. was my priority. And this of course took off and I got so many, I got the craziest messages, not only from people just being straight up abusive, but just like crazy stuff. Like, do you got rats in your house? You know, it's like, no, I don't think so. I had a radio station, like call me live, you know, somehow I started to realize I should not pick up the phone uh, when I don't know the number during these times. I had a post go crazy once with a, about how I would put my wild child, the the honey badger on a leash to keep her from running into traffic. Cause that's what she would do. She just oh, yeah. did not care. Oh my goodness. I've, I've never had so much online shaming him. It was just insane the way people reacted to that. And 90% of them were non-parents. Yeah. Um, oh, they that's didn't my favorite. Not understand that at all. Or they're yeah. comparing it to their own child. And if you've got a relatively mild child, you probably, yeah. I mean, it's situational, but holy smokes, man, uh, parents online are, are the worst. It's rough. I do a lot of monitoring. I do a lot of deleting comments, blocking yeah. people because I just can't. And it feels great. It feels great to block them. It feels like oh, I have tape so. over their mouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not, yeah, you're singing another one, bites of dust the whole time. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, people are, they're completely ruthless. And I had somebody, I posted something else one day, again, just joking. I had a glass of wine and I was joking around that 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 was my you know daily dose of vitamins to deal with my kids bullcrap for the day which was a joke I don't drink wine to deal with my kids bullcrap I do enjoy a glass of wine here or there and it's a joke that it's to deal with the kids bullcrap but it's funny and relatable and if that's how I choose to unwind that's how I choose to unwind sometimes well somebody lit me up and was sitting there talking about how you know you shouldn't you know, make the kids feel bad that you have to drink a glass of wine. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not saying it's my kids. I'm putting it on here as a joke. And, you know, second of all, you know, the lady didn't even have any kids. <laughs> I, was sure. like, I was like, yeah, yes, let's, let's shout down from your high horse of not even knowing what this is like. I mean, I love my kids with all my heart. I would lay down a dive for each and every one of them, but they drive me crazy and I want to pinch their heads off a lot of times a day. And, you know, I, I think it's that a lot of people can't realize that it can be both that you have to like pick one or the other. And, you know, I think that's just ludicrous because it's the same thing with my husband. I love my husband with all my heart, but I want to pinch his head off sometimes too. You know, it's just, that's what, I mean, I think that so much of love is, is showing up every day and dealing with your kids and just loving them, even when they drive you crazy. I mean, that's kind of like the premise of this next book's coming out. Like if you can come at something every day and feel like you're failing at it and occasionally get it right, but you just keep trying every day, that's probably one of the more purest forms of love I can think of. And that's really what parenting looks like is just trying to come in every day at it and love your kids and try and get it right. And you have to do them all differently. You cannot parent children the same. I mean, like I said, I have seven and I cannot parent none of them 
the same way. Um, and it just does not work. And my oldest, uh, like I said, she's, she's, she's moved out and she's, um, she's even got her own, her own baby now and her and her husband, um, they even have made comments about, you know, how parenting some of my younger kids. And she's like, you would have never with me. I'm like, listen, you were my first one. I was like, you were a guinea pig child. I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing. It's I only kind of know now, you know, and that I had no idea. I was like, so it's funny because you see some of the stuff that talks about like helicopter parenting. And I sadly will admit that I was that mom because I was terrified of, of her getting hurt or me missing something or whatever for her early years. I was that mom. And I didn't even realize it until many years and more kids later to where I, I just couldn't helicopter them at that point. It just, there was no way to that. I realized how stupid it actually was anyway. Because it was just like, I wasn't allowing her to even make the mistakes. You know, I wasn't allowing her to kind of, you know, try these things out because I was just so terrified of the what ifs. And so I am a lot more lax on my parenting style now. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I guess I'll have to let you know in a few years. But it, it seems like, I feel like anyway, that that is a little bit better approach that I, you know, I don't completely helicopter them. I still give them parameters, but I allow them to make the mistake. You know, I'll say, no, don't do that because of this. And then they do it. I'm like, I told you not to. <laughs> I told you not to. And that was why, you know, which obviously there are major things you wouldn't let them do. But, you know, for the most part, I, I do think that that's how kids learn. Like, well, that's how we learn. It's how people learn. Yeah. I mean, you, I don't, I know that there's a level of helicopter parenting that I think is socially mandated right now. Um, oh, yeah. And I, you know, I got mixed feelings with that. You know, I, I wrote about this in the Washington Post a while back, but, you know, we watched the Goonies with my kids once. And there was this point in the movie where, you know, the kids are at the, like, old abandoned restaurant and the, like, criminals are there. Yeah. Uh, and my son looked over at me and he's like, where are their parents? And and the thought of just getting on your bike and riding into the woods like that, like you would in the 80s, and yeah. going and looking for adventure and finding a pirate treasure map, you know, was just unheard <laughs> of to him. And it would kind of left me with this feeling like, I mean, you know, we manage so much of their time and we shuttle them and where they need to go. But at the same time, like, I don't know, it makes me wonder what adventures they're losing. I learned a lot from getting into trouble and finding my way out of it. You know, I remember going swimming at a rope swing down the street from my house because that was what we did. We were the poor kids and we couldn't go to the water park. So we go to the rope swing and we get in fights and we would have, you know, failed love romance attempts and, and, uh, you know, kids would almost drown. And, and we learned a lot about getting in trouble and getting out. And I don't know what we're missing. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to miss because of that, but it's kind of what's expected now. I mean, if I let my kid go down to the river and play. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Probably get arrested. Oh yeah. Well, it is, and I think in in so many ways, I think it's kind of the rite of passage. But like you said, it's socially unacceptable now. So we have to not allow them at a younger age. And I really think that's a disservice on them in so many ways. And one of those is that they're still going to try those things out, but it's not going to be, you know, the 10 year old trying out something that's a lot less risky. It's going to be, you know, the 18, 19 year old that's never really tried anything that has the opportunity to try way worse things. And that's, that's kind of my fear on, you know, 
kind of not allow we, – we live out in the middle of nowhere, so I do have the ability within parameters, kind of let them run around the farm some. You know, they, they know, okay, you're not allowed to go near the pond. You're not allowed to go into the barn. You're not allowed to go near the road. You know, they have their rules. But other than that, they can pretty much roam the property. I'll allow them to do that. And I like that before, whenever my older kids were younger, you know, I lived in subdivisions and stuff like that. And I didn't allow that. You know, I, I can remember when my oldest one was little, I would, you know, freak out and not even let her go on the sidewalk right in front of her house because <laughs> I was just like terrified that like somehow some car would, you know, veer off of the road and hit her on the sidewalk. And all she wanted to do was sit on the sidewalk and draw a sidewalk chalk, you know? So I think sometimes we can try to over parent and I love social media and I hate social media. And I think that's part of the issues is that there's so much access for people to kind of speak into stuff that we already speak to ourselves anyway. And we were, we're kind of our own worst critics sometimes on, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done that better. I should have done more of that and less of that. And, you know, when we put our stuff on social media, you know, we have all these people that are giving, you know, these opinions and that can sometimes kind of feed into our own fears and worries. I think if we allow it. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. I'd like to ask my guests, if you could go back and tell yourself, you know, your younger self, you know, three things, what would it be? Just kind of like takeaways. How, how far back are we going here, Maria? However far you want to go. You know, just kind of like if you could, like anything that would be something that would be valuable to your life. Like if you could go back and say, you know, like with me, one of my things is, you know, stop trying to wear a mask. You know, one of the things I, I talk about on here a lot is the fact that I worked in corporate America for a while. And, you know, I always felt like I live, I had to live this double life, you know, that I was my crazy, weird personality with definitely not the perfect house, you know, definitely not the perfect because my house, my, my house is messy all the time too, because I've got a thousand kids and, you know, definitely not the perfect marriage. I mean, I don't even think that exists. And, you know, my kids were not always the, the most well-behaved and, you know, just all these things, but I had to like play this game where, and as everybody does it, I found out, and that's kind of where this podcast kind of started was, you know, you go to a business meeting or a, you know, networking event or something and people are like, oh, how's business? And everybody's like, business is great. And how's the family? Family's fabulous. And, but you've already heard from somebody else that they're in the middle of a divorce and they're not making payroll that we like in the business world, a lot of times what happens is people feel like they have to wear this mask and I got tired of it. I got exhausted with wearing this mask. So I just stopped. And I thought the day that I stopped, I thought, okay, well, I'm, I had already started my own business by then. So I thought, I'm not going to get any more clients. I'm not going to work again. And the funny thing was, the more raw and real that I was, um, my business actually improved because I was gaining clients that were more ideal for me. You know, I was gaining people on a deeper level and a, and a more trusted level because I was showing up as sincere. So that would be one of the things I would tell myself. So I don't know that I like to ask people that just because people that are listening, you never know kind of what's going on in their life right now. And sometimes just being able to hear that, you know, what you would tell yourself type of thing can kind of speak to somebody. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that I would tell myself, I don't know if I have three things. Well, you don't have to say uh, three, three things seems like too much, but uh, the one thing I would tell myself, and this is something I need to tell myself every day is that, is that I'm not failing. I always feel like I'm failing. Uh, I don't know why I felt that way for, for a long time, but you know, I was chatting with a good friend of mine that I went to grad school with and she was saying, you know, when we were in college, if I could see where I am now, as far as having published books and, you know, published in major publications and different things, 
you know, you'd be ecstatic. And yet I still, even now, you know, I, I chip away at, at my successes based on, uh, you know, I don't sell enough books or, you know, I got a couple of rejections or I'm not able to do this full time. I, I chip away at myself all the time and I need to knock it off. And I would love to go back to my former self and at least when this started, you know, and say, hey, man, you, you're not failing. You know, you're just on the road. I think that's actually a common I think we're, again, we're on our own worst enemies on that as well, because I think we set these goals up for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with goals. I think goals are fabulous, but nobody says you have to really reach those goals. And if you don't, what happens? You know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes we set these goals and it's like, well, I have, I need to, like, I do it to myself. You know, I want to, you know, make, get 10 new clients this week. Okay. And if I get it, great. And if I don't, then what? what happens? Well, nothing happens. I just didn't. And, you know, so, and a lot of times if we don't meet that goal, then we beat ourselves up for the next two or three weeks. So we actually just undermined and probably didn't get the clients we would have got because we're too busy beating ourselves up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. All right. Well, I will go ahead and wrap this up. I really enjoyed having you on today and I definitely recommend following him on Instagram. I'm, I follow him on Instagram. He cracks me up on a regular basis. So, oh, it's right. yeah. So, <laughs> well, and I, I'm not one of those that leaves the nasty comments. So don't delete me. But bless you, so, Maria. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorites, favorites. <laughs> you better, better tell them who's a boss, me. <laughs>